Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. For the director of Stand True Pro-Life Outreach, the youth outreach of Priests for Life. Okay, so doing this kind of work, I get to read a lot of books. I've got books upon books upon books about different things in the pro-life movement. Today, I have a guest who wrote a book, which is actually the next book on my list to read, and I'm going to start reading that next week. But I have the author with me today, Janet Morana. How are you doing today, Janet? I'm doing fine, Brian. <laughs> can, you, can you think of how many book titles you've read since doing this work? Oh, my goodness. It's, I have a library full of books uh, you know, about abortion. Um, you just have to stay on top of things. You really do. Um, you know, how can you go out speaking at events if you're not staying current and up to date on everything that's going on? So I find reading is essential. Absolutely. So, Janet, I just finished my second book. Right. Uh, you just finished your third book. Right. Third book. Mm -hmm. uh, your first book, Recall Abortion. Right. And your second book was Shockwaves. Shockwaves, right. which we've talked about on the show before. Mm -hmm. But this is the youth outreach. This is what our show is about. The youth outreach, reaching mm -hmm. the young people. Right. And also, you know, providing resources for parents and grandparents for their for their kids. Uh, whether it's junior high, high school, college age, we want to make sure that every single person is equipped in this pro-life movement. Right. Everyone. So <clears throat> you just wrote a book. Tell us a little. Sure, show us our book. Show us your book. All right. Well, it's everything you need to know about, abor about abortion for teens. And I always say for adults, too. But the story, Brian, about this book is very simply um, the publisher of my first book, Recall Abortion, <clears throat> which, as you know, had a double meaning. Um, the women who've had abortions, even if they've gone through healing, they still recall the abortion. They recall the day uh, that the baby would have been born, the day of their abortion. Um, but I present cases in that book why, if anything did to women what abortion did as a bad product, it would be off the market. So my publisher came to me a couple of years ago. Actually, it was right before the pandemic hit. And he said to me, you know, Janet, there's a, a big void out there. Nobody has written a, a, a book about abortion for teens. Could you take what you did with recall abortion and refashion and readjust it and, and, and talk to the kids? So I said, well, all right. And I put the idea in the back of my head for a little while. And then I said, all right, let me try to do this. It's not like you have like <clears throat> anything else to do all day. Wow. <laughs> so, but when you think about it, Brian, you know this from working with the youth, Planned Parenthood is targeting our young people. Oh, They're, absolutely. They target them. First of all, parents beware. In the public school curriculum, they are embedded in a lot of schools. They're already in the high schools. They're on college campuses. A lot of them even have satellite abortion clinics and Planned Parenthoods on college campuses. So they're targeting our young people. We've got to empower our young people with knowledge about the abortion issue. So what I do is I kind of take them back and show them that abortion has been around for all time. For all time, people focus on Roe v. Wade, you mm -hmm. know, when it became legal through all fifty states in America. But I did some research, Brian, and the very first mention of a woman trying to terminate her pregnancy was all the way back in fifteen hundred BC in Egypt. Imagine that. Wow. Who would have thought? So the idea, back in the old days, they used all kinds of herbs and concoctions to yes. try to, you know, 
get rid of a pregnancy. Then <clears throat> when America was being founded in the colonial days, we had 13 colonies. I did a little bit more research. It turned out, Brian, some colonies had legal abortion to, to quickening. And the quickening then was, you know, when the mom could feel the yes. baby stir. Uh, and there were some states who banned all abortion, you know, colonies, I mean, colonies. And so <clears throat> so this whole thing about legal, illegal, it's been around since our founding fathers, you know? And it's it's interesting because I know that Aquinas had originally thought that's uh, with the quickening and such. And we looked at it. <clears throat> but science has, has obviously right. gone yeah. through the roof since oh, then. yeah. Right. You know, and that's and that's one of the things that, you know, Father Frank was on my show the other day and we were talking about the bad law of Roe versus Wade. Right. Because the science at that point, you they, they were like, we're not 100 percent sure. Nowadays, we know. And that's why we believe Dobbs is going to overturn Roe versus Wade because of the science. Now, in your book, you actually go through you have photos of the stages of development. Oh, yeah. I want to I want to yeah. talk about that. Here, because we're look at the photos. Here. I'll if, hold them up for you. If yeah. you ask. People, well, what I did was the photos, Brian, is I started here with the baby. It's like a little photo out with the baby. Yeah. Starting at seven weeks because the, these are the, this is the stage at which the as they call medical abortion, chemical abortion. Are you 46? This is the baby they are attacking. Yes. And they're telling you, oh, it's just a clump of cells because it's so it's too early on. Well, that's not a clump of cells, right? No. And it's the baby talking to the kids, telling them how many times the heart beats. Here we, here we go, eight and nine weeks. Look at that. Look at that baby. So, you know, I say a picture is worth a thousand words. I can talk to them all the science facts in here. But when you look at these pictures, look at those pictures. So I thought it was very important. I was very happy that the publisher let me put in this. I, I call it the baby photo album. The unborn baby photo album photo album there's 16 pages in all pictures and like i said that if that can't convince you what else can right see you, the baby you know janet you'd think you were a teacher at one point the way well, i was i was <laughs> i was a public school teacher in new york for almost 12 years but to go back to the book what i did was and see people have to realize how do we get you know legalized abortion with roe v wade doe v bolton through all 50 states well you got to think back, Brian. 1970. It was 1970 when Norma McCorvey, the Jane Roe of the Roe v. Wade decision, yes. uh, found herself pregnant for the third time, practically homeless. Her mother had, was already raising one of her kids. And she said, there's no way, Norma, I can't raise another one. And so Norma lived in Dallas, Texas at the time. And of course, she, she couldn't get an abortion in Texas. And uh, she started inquiring, like, through social services. Well, Sarah Weddington and Linda Coffey, two young female attorneys, they were involved with the legal beagles that were trying to make abortion legal. Dr. Nathanson, Larry Later, and all these guys. And they heard of Norma. And they offered her a pizza lunch. And yes. they gave her some stuff to sign. And she said, oh, so you're going to help me get an abortion? Yeah, you can. And they lied to her and said, yeah, sure, Norma, just sign on the dotted line. She, she never Norma, got that abortion. No, she, Norma never got the abortion. And here's what happened. This is 1970, right? We're going to help you? It has to make its way through the courts. There's no way. She was already about four and a half months pregnant when she signed. There was no way they were going to get this solved in five months, and they knew it. Sarah Weddington, in fact, the, the one young attorney, she had an agenda because she 
had an abortion in Mexico a couple years before that when she was in law school. Her and her fiance both said, oh, we can't have a baby right now. She traveled to Mexico to abort her child. So she wanted to see legal abortion here for the women. She thought that would be empowering for women. So Norma signs on the dotted line. Simultaneously, we had Georgia, we had uh, Sandra Cano, again, another woman who uh, wasn't seeking, she, she, in her case, she wasn't even seeking an abortion. This, this is Doe versus Bolton. Doe versus Bolton, the companion case, which were both decided on the same day. So what happens in Sandra's case? Well, she was in an abusive marriage. Two of her children were in foster care. And uh, now she found herself pregnant again you know, by her husband, who was abusive. And she, all she wanted was to get her children back out of foster care. And she was getting separated from the husband so that she could take care of her own children. Her mother was with her with this uh, social worker. And they had Sandra sign. Th and Sandra's thinking, I'm signing papers to get my kids back. No, it was to have an abortion. And of course, in Georgia, she because of the laws in Georgia, she couldn't have had it at that time. They were going to take her, you know, they were trying to try to, you know, arrange for her to still get an yes. abortion. Like Norma, they couldn't have done it in time. They knew that. When Sandra found out that they wanted to her, and they lied, they put in the documents that um, that she was trying to get an abortion at a hospital in Georgia. Lie. She never did. Anyway, fast forward. She flees Georgia and goes all the way to Oklahoma to some other relative and to have her baby because she was not going to have yeah. an abortion. Meanwhile, both Norma and Sandra, both of them, as the years went, now this was 1970, mm. a couple of years later as it goes through the courts, do you think they spent one day in court, Brian? Not one. You tell me, you know, any legal case, you're the mm -hmm. plaintiff. Who doesn't spend at least one day in court? And then finally, Brian, they get to the Supreme Court, and the case was heard twice. Roe v. Wade was heard twice. Mm -hmm. Both times, Norma never ever Sandra spent one day in court. I mean, that, that's insanity. It's insanity, exactly. Now, oh, the day of the decision, January twenty second, nineteen seventy three. Do you think the lawyers called Norma to say, "You won, we won, we won"? How did Norma find out? Opened up her door that morning, picked up the Dallas morning paper, and saw the headline. That's how she found out. They they literally did not like Norma. They no. felt she mm -hmm. was they they, no. they treated her like she was this lower form of woman almost. Oh and, yeah. And they they were they used her. They used her. Right. But you see, Brian, and this goes back now to the science for a minute. Because this is very important in connection with the Dobbs case and the viability and all that. Think back to 1970 when this whole thing started. There was no ultrasound. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, when a woman became pregnant, um, most women, you know, they didn't really realize they were pregnant until uh, they skipped their period. And there wasn't all these over-the-counter pregnancy tests back no. then. You had to go to a doctor to get a pregnancy test. There wasn't this go to CVS or Walgreens and get a pregnancy test. No. So like it was a different world, totally different world. And also back then, when you think about it, uh, if a girl got pregnant, you know, out of wedlock, what happened? No well, one really talked about abortion. I, I can tell you because my mother got pregnant out of wedlock in 1966. 
All right. And she tried to find an illegal abortion, wasn't able to. But my grandparents ended up sending her to San Francisco from Los Angeles to so have the nobody baby. would know. Oh, nobody would know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They would go away, have the baby, either place the baby for adoption or come home. And then suddenly they would say, oh, well, we adopted a baby or something. Yeah. But they would never admit that this was their teenage daughter or so-and-so that, that had the baby. So anyway, it was a very different time in our country. And of course, the sexual re revolution was exploding. Yes. Uh, birth control, too, uh, was that that was another issue. In 1970, birth control was only legal for married couples. And it took till 1972, Baird versus Eisenstadt, when they another case was fought through the court to make contraception and birth control pills legal for everybody, not just married couples. Yes. So when you think about it, okay, first first we open the floodgate with contraception in 72, and the following year, then you have legalized abortion. And actually, back in 1970, there were a handful of states that legalized abortion. New York was one of them, at, yes. uh, but only to 24 weeks. Only to 24 weeks. And that law, Brian, stayed on the books in New York until almost 2016 when they made it even worse by making it till birth. So, you know, so I show the kids the history that this whole thing was built on lies and yes. falsehood. So that's step one. Then I take them through some of the science. I, I tell them about all the different abortion procedures, what it does to the baby. No pictures about abortion, but I show them where they can go if they want to see it. But I tell them all about the procedures. I talk to them about the care the women get, which is no care. Yes. Um, and uh, then, of course, there's testimonies of uh, women who, you know, from Silent No More who experience abortion. So and The testimonies, in my opinion, Janet, are, are one of the most important parts of, uh, of, right. of our work. But going back to Norma, when, when she came to the Lord, and uh, started to speak out against abortion. She had been working in an abortion mill and this mm -hmm. little girl, Emily, had asked her to go to church and, and right. kept asking her and she went to church. The first time I got to hang out with Norma, we were in Fredericksburg, Virginia, Reverend Pat Mahoney's church. <coughs> Norma uh -huh. was speaking there and Norma and I went out and sat in the parking lot and talked for a little bit. We kind of, my tattoos and stuff, we kinda, Norma was a little, you know, she was a little rougher. Oh, she was rough around the edge. So she, she, she related to me and she told me a story, which later became a, a, a video and, and all of this. She told me a story about regret, Janet. She said, Brian. And, and you could see the look in her face, the tears mm -hmm. welling oh, yeah. up. She goes, Brian, every time I sit and look at an empty playground, I feel it's my fault. Right. I feel it's my fault. Well, she felt responsible, Brian, that by signing on that yeah. dotted line, now all these babies are being killed. But, you know, we did help Norma go through healing. Yes. I actually took her uh, with myself and others and Teresa, Dr. Teresa Burke on a Rachel's Vineyard retreat. So she did get to the point where she finally, you know, accepted, yes. you know, see, you notice she accepted the Lord's forgiveness, but it was harder to, to forgive yourself. Step. That was the, the, that was the hardest thing. step. But, you know, Norma was 100 percent pro-life. Yes. Until the day she died. All these other rumors about, oh, she flipped. People used her. They, they manipulated and her. It's, it's wrong. Yes. Because Father Pavone and I spoke to her less than an hour before she died. Did you know that? I did. Her daughter called us uh, from the hospital room where she was, Norma. She was in hospice. And Norma spoke to us. And she made me promise 
that we would continue to work to see Roe v. Wade overturned. So I feel like, Brian, right now we're on the cusp of promises kept. Promises made, Norma, but we're about to keep that promise. So I have a picture with Norma and I, and I presented her one of our T-shirts. I survived Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade will not survive me. And she just fell in love with that That's shirt. That's right. Yeah. And, she, and she would tell me, Brian, please make this come true. Right. And, and, that's, and, that's and it's about to happen. So in the book, Brian, what I do is I take the kids through the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. I even uh, talk about rape incest because well, people always, as yes. you know, throw What about the woman's raped? What about life of the mother? Mm -hmm. What about if there's something wrong with the baby? It's going to die anyway. Fetal anomaly. Yeah. I one, take one whole chapter where I pick apart scientifically why always bad for the baby, but always bad for the mother too. And I show them studies that have been done, why a woman who's been raped, having an abortion after being raped is a double trauma. She deeply regrets it. And the women who were raped and gave birth to the child found that that healing and whether they raise the child or place it for an adoption. So I show them just the facts, science, why in all these cases, there's never, ever, ever a reason to feel you have to have an abortion. You know, it seems to me, I know my son just had to do a persuasive essay. He picked football. He's a big football fan. Uh -huh. But it seems to me, I know young people all the time email or ask us online, hey, I have to do a, a persuasive paper. I want to do it on pro-life. This, this seems to me like one of the best resources that we can send to them. Oh, absolutely. And if they want to get a copy, just go to abortionandteens.com. Abortionandteens.com. Place an order there. I will autograph it for you. I'll even personalize it. Uh, I, I we get we're getting a lot of people ordering it for their children, their grandchildren, um, church groups. We give discounts if there's a youth group, and I'm even willing to do a meet the author Zoom meeting with the kids. You know, after they've read the book, and we can mm -hmm. have a book discussion. So, I'm all about getting the word out. But okay. then the other thing, Brian, which I I want to talk to you a little bit about, is the word chastity. Very misunderstood among our young people. So I spend a whole chapter on that. I show them the damage all these STDs are doing mm -hmm. to young people and then how's, how's the right path. So I just felt very important to include a whole chapter on chastity. You put a lot of research in this, <laughs> a lot of thought, you know, we, we got a few more minutes, 10 more minutes, but I, I, you just talked about them going to abortionandteens.com. Can we do something? I would like if anyone's out there and I want the first three people to email us, mm -hmm. uh, let's do Janet at priestforlife.org. The first three people and mention pro-life is the new punk rock. I'll personally pay for a copy of the book to go out. Okay. Three That's copies. First three people. First three people. Just okay. email Janet at, at priestforlife.org and mention the show. Right. And I want to send you a book. If you, if you have a kid that's, you know, going into high school next year, chances are they're going to do a persuasive essay. Well, and if you're going to go away to college, please don't leave home without it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Then the other chapter that I, I really liked is I did a whole chapter, Brian, on how to discuss this issue and how to be more on the offensive than the defense. Very important. Oh, wow. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I mean, you know, do you ever ask them questions, okay? Things like, well, you're in favor of legalized abortion. Are you also in favor of your tax dollars being used to pay for that? And some people go like, oh, oh, I didn't realize our tax dollars pay. Yeah. Oh, well, do you realize that Planned Parenthood gets all this money, Title 10, blah, blah, and then people go, oh, I had no idea. So, well, and, those... then, and the other question I ask them is when they say they're, they're in favor of choice. I sometimes say, 
I'm in favor of choice too. Do you like vanilla ice cream or chocolate? You know, do you like Cheerios or Rice Krispies? That's choice. Your microphone fell. Just want to make sure our audience can hear you. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my. No, it didn't fall. Oh, the, there the, it is. Something. No, the screen fell. Screen this fell. little thing. Very good. Anyway. So, uh, Brian, they would hear my voice. I'm from Brooklyn, of course, <laughs> the, of course the planet. But when you start whittling it down to them and question. So, for example, you say you're pro-choice, you're in favor of abortion. Well, do you think they should have an abortion in the 6th, 7th, and 8th, ninth month of the pregnancy? And most people are like, oh, no, that's too late. Okay. So you're saying the third trimester abortion you're, you're against, right? And they'll say, oh, yeah. And you say, well, do you realize that Roe v. Wade made it legal through all nine months of pregnancy? And they go, really? Yeah. Well, do you realize how many states have passed laws to enshrine it till birth? And they'll go, oh, no. Then you ask another question. Are you in favor of abortion if the baby can feel pain? And they go, well, no. Well, science agrees that unborn children can feel pain about 21, 22 weeks. No, no, no debate. By that point, they say, yes, mm-hmm. unborn babies can feel pain. And you realize that's the second trimester abortion and it's happening all over our country. And they go, oh, no, that's wrong. I said, oh, so see, you're not 100% pro-choice. You think abortion should have some sort of limitations then, right? And then most people go, yeah, okay. And then you, you just keep going back. What about once the heart beats? And then they look at you and just look like, huh? <clears throat> I said, well, if you if someone uh, passes out right in front of you, what do you do? Oh, you feel for a pulse. You try to, you know, give them CPR. CPR. You call 911. Why? Why are you feeling for a pulse? And they'll say, well, because you have to see if they have a heartbeat. Ah, so if someone has a heartbeat, that means they're alive, right? And they go, yeah. Okay, so once a baby's heart beats, do you think then it's okay to have an abortion? And they go, huh, I never thought about that. Okay, well, guess how soon the baby's heart beats? And most of them go, I don't know. You say, 28 days after conception. And they go, oh, no. Yeah. So now, are you really 100% pro-choice or pro-abortion? And most of them will back up and go, I never thought about all these things. I guess not. See, all that you have to do, Brian, is have a calm discussion with facts. Give them, give a person facts, talk in a calm manner, mm-hmm. and you can convert people. Because they'll, they'll realize the pro-choice rhetoric out there doesn't, doesn't make sense. And, and it's so true. Recently, Janet, you know, I went to, to D.C. to to speak up for the fo- for the, the children that were found right um, in, in, in the uh, truck that was taking them away. Some pro-life medical waste. Like medical waste. Right. And when people saw the pictures of the five, those five babies, babies. that late term and they were like even someone I know very close to me who's very pro-choice and I showed them. They were like, "What? No, 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 that's not abortion." I'm like, "Yes, yeah, that's that what it is. is abortion. That's what it is." So, and it was it was something that just really jarred them to to hear these the facts. You know, so again, everything you need to know about abortion for teens, I say, and adults too, at abortionandteens.com. First three people to email me at Janet at priestoflife.org, they'll get a free copy from Brian. But I'd love to, like I said, we discounts for church youth groups and Bible study groups, prayer groups, schools, whatever they want. And then I'll do Zoom discussions with the kids once they've read the book because 
you know, Brian, I'm just about empowering them with the information because once you, you get the information and the truth, hearts and minds have changed. You know, it's, it, I think, I know you just wrote this and you probably want to wait again, but I think I have an idea for your next book. Because oh, of, Brian, please. Uh, you <laughs> talked about the myths of abortion, the myths of Planned Parenthood, right. doing a Mythbusters type <laughs> oh, style. I see. Yeah, yeah. Like how yeah. many, how many mammograms does Planned Parenthood do? I wonder what people would think if I asked you. Zero. Zero. Not Zero. a single they, one. Well, see, what you need to say to them is, um, where's the room where you have the mammography equipment? They don't have it. Nope. All they'll do is they'll write you a referral slip to go someplace else. Yeah. And yet, they make it sound like they provide all these services for women. The government gives them money to write a piece of paper. But exactly. we know where that money's going. Well, their number one business is abortion. And now, you know, the big danger, of course, now, and I wrote about this in, uh, extensively in the book, is chemical abortion. And the women are more traumatized because of chemical abortion uh, because they take the pill, the first pill, in the abortion clinic. And then they go home two days later, they take the second pill. So who's the abortionist? They are. Where's the abortion clinic? It's their bathroom. Brian, they're in the book. I put just a few stories and I, I blew a warning before you read yeah. them. I said, uh oh, this is going to be, you know, rough, but this is the truth. Horror. These women passing what they yes. thought was a clot and then they look in the toilet and they see fingers and toes. They see their baby. And, and some of them get scared and they hit the toilet and they flush it. And then they're like, oh my God, I flushed my baby down the toilet. And some of them grab the baby up out of the toilet and they start running around, finding a box, put it in, bury it in their yard. You know, it, it's traumatic. And what's even worse, Brian, is that the FDA through President Biden has a, continued to approve that they can mail these abortion pills all over the country. They can mail it. To, so, I mean. It's disturbing. It's disturbing. It's disturbing. I parents, don't even like to read this, but, no, but we but, need to. But parents realize your kid goes away to college. On that college campus, your kid will be given an abortion, medicate, medical abortion without you even knowing. Oh, yeah. And then, though, uh-oh, if there's medical complications, guess where she's, she'll end up? Planned Parenthood. No, in the emergency room. Oh, yeah. And then you're going to pay for it. Yep. So, you know, Brian, there's so much to talk about about this book, but I really am so excited about it because I really, really um, hope and pray that a lot of people get it uh, because I know it's going to change hearts and minds and I know it will empower our young people, you know, even among their own families. So, as you know, you deal with mm -hmm. the kids all the time. Some of them have parents who are pro-choice or aunts and uncles. And uh, this gives them the tools to calmly, with facts, just the facts, discuss the issue. Well, abortionandteens.com. Right. And then also you guys go to my website, standtrue.com. We're going to actually make this a feature on the cover of standtrue.com as, okay. as one of our features for Thank people you. to get. Uh, Janet, we're about out of time and I'd like you to close us in prayer. If you sure. would do that, please. Sure. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, Lauren, we lift up today all the young people who somehow might be considering an abortion today. Lord, give them the strength. To, to walk away from that abortion clinic. Give them the strength to find a pregnancy center where they will get real help, real alternatives. And anyone who's had an abortion, Lord, show them the path to forgiveness. Your mercy is always there. And we in the pro-life movement, we do not condemn them. We condemn the act of abortion. But Lord, like you, we are merciful to those who've made that error. And let us all go forward. And remember, brothers and sisters, Lord, and you will help us that there are some abortions we will only be able to stop and some lives only we will be able to save. 
Amen. Amen. So everybody, we've been talking about everything you need to know about abortion for teens by Janet Morena, but you can also order my new book, Pro-Life <laughs> is the New Punk Rock. It's also the name of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next week. God bless and have a great day. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.